to talk about the lion and the lamb. The lion and the lamb. Amen. John writes, and John, of course, one of the disciples, and he refers to himself in his own gospel as the one whom Jesus loved. <laughs> uh, yeah, he loved them all. But uh, I love John's perspective. And he's given a revelation. He's been isolated by the Roman government and uh, to an island that was reserved kind of like their Alcatraz, the Isle of Patmos. They had divided into two sections, one section where there was ongoing continuous punishment and another section of that island for those who they considered to be threats against the empire. And uh, while they were not uh, harmed physically continuously, they were isolated from the rest of the society because the Roman Empire didn't want their influence any longer. They had already tried to kill John, and uh, by uh, dropping him into a, a boiling vat of oil, and to their amazement, he did not die. So they relegated him for a number of years, incarcerated him on the Isle of Patmos. Later, he was released, went back to Ephesus, where he looked after the mother of Jesus, Mary, until she passed. And John on that island said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Like he said, you know, no matter my circumstance, this is God's day. It's the Lord's day. And I'm going to worship him. And he began to worship and the Holy Spirit gave him this book called the book of the revelation. And in it, he writes, I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they had gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. So when you pray, don't think those prayers just dissipate into the atmosphere. They are held before the throne of God and they are still there today. And God will tend to every one of those prayers. When they sang a new song with these words, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you are slaughtered. You were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. And I looked again, and I heard the voice of thousands of millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the ones sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Thank you, Lord. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart 
be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What a powerful passage and what a great revelation. Amen. This is speaking of an occasion when John, of course, is caught up by the Holy Spirit and he's witnessing what's taking place in heaven as preparation is made for Jesus to take full authority and reign on earth. And John describes a sealed document. No one is found worthy enough to open it. And the document was the title deed of earth. Whoever had control of this document controlled everything on earth. And in those days, they wrote important documents on lambskins, and they would roll them up, and then they would seal them with wax. And the only person who had paid the price to purchase that property was legally in authority to break the seals to reveal the legalities written into that document. When John was caught up into heaven, he said, I witnessed the dilemma taking place. He said, I began to cry and I wept. He said, as I looked at this dilemma, because they were looking for someone worthy to open the document who could, who could take ownership once again of earth and all of its inhabitants. And there wasn't any found. When you read the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32, you'll read where Jeremiah knew Israel was about to go into 70 years of captivity for their idol worship and the rejection of the one true God. So Jeremiah says to his servant, write a document and seal it and put it in a jar and bury it on this piece of real estate as proof that I own it. Because after 70 years of slavery, we're going to come back from our slavery. God promised that. And then I'm going to dig this up and show this is my piece of property 70 years later because of this document. John was saying that in, in spite of the current conditions, God's will always prevails. So this was what taking place in heaven. The earth is under a curse and there's no one worthy to break the curse and redeem the earth and all of its inhabitants. And so the angel says, I've searched all through heaven, earth, and under the earth and found no one is worthy. Then suddenly outstepped a lamb who had looked like a lion. And John said, this lamb is worthy. This lamb broke the seal of the title deed of this planet that was under the curse, and he hands the seal document back to the Father. The revelation of the lamb goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. In the 22nd chapter, Isaac is climbing Mount Moriah with his father Abraham, and Isaac asks his dad a question, Father, where's the lamb? I see the wood, a type of Calvary. I see the knife, a picture of sacrifice and death. But where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? That was the question of the old covenant. And you can sum up most of the preaching and teaching and deliberations of the entire old covenant with this one question. Constantly they had to ask, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? And notice the son didn't ask, where is a lamb? Because there were many a lamb throughout all of the Old Testament scriptures. He was looking for the lamb, the one. John the Baptist on the muddy banks of the Jordan River answers that question when he looks up and he sees the Christ. And he says, behold, the lamb, which takes away the sins of the world. Then the book of Revelation joins in by proclaiming the cherubim, the seraphim, 
Worthy is the lamb. Worthy. And there are six notable passages in God's word that speak of and reveal to us the lamb of God. First, in the book of Genesis, you see the lamb as the sacrifice for Isaac. Another picture. These, these lambs from old covenant stories were always pictures of the one lamb that would be sacrificed once and for all, Jesus the Christ. And so you get pictures always through the pages of the Old Testament looking at the one to come. The second in Exodus, where you see him as the Passover lamb, one lamb for each family. When Jesus was in the upper room on the night before he was betrayed, he reveals himself as the lamb of God. Third, in Isaiah, you see him as the lamb led to the slaughter. And Isaiah depicts it in such graphic language. And then fourth, in the Gospels, you see him as the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Fifth, you see him in the epistles of Peter as the precious blood of the lamb. And then finally, the revelation, you hear the praise of the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. It's interesting that, like the scarlet cord of Rahab, that from the book of Genesis through all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, if you pull that scarlet cord, you will find the lamb is wrinkling the pages of every single book in the Scripture. In Isaiah 53, 1,500 years before Calvary, Isaiah sees the crucifixion, and he describes it like this, but he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. It's an amazing depiction that Isaiah has years and years, hundreds of years before the crucifixion. In the Hebrew, as you look at Isaiah 53, the center portion of that chapter, if you do the math and look at it, this term, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. The word lamb is perfectly numbered among all the words in Isaiah 53. So it is in the exact middle of that chapter, chapter number 53, the word lamb. The lamb is the central figure in all of scripture. Never lose the lamb as the central figure in your life. He is to be in the middle of everything we do. He is to be the center of our families. He's to be the center of our marriage. The lamb is to be the center of our lives. You just don't kind of work the lamb in somewhere one day of the week. Jesus is the central theme and his cross is the central factor that influences our lives. In the book of Revelation, the lamb is mentioned 29 times because it's the closing act that crowns the play, that makes it all happen on center stage. You sit through many scenes in Handel's Messiah. Some of you maybe have had the privilege of being a part of that and sitting through that phenomenal oratory that's placed and played and the music and the singing all depicting the life of Jesus and what he's done. It's been known for decades that as the last scene unfolds, and that phenomenal musical piece, the Hallelujah Chorus, begins to commence, and people stand in awe of the Lamb. And it, it was accepted practice 
for the audience to stand ever since it happened on the occasion when King George II was so moved the first time he heard this piece when the hallelujah chorus began that he stood to his feet. And when the king stood, so all the subjects stood along with him and following the tradition, even to this day, it's appropriate to stand at the hallelujah chorus when it's played. And 29 times God's star performer steps across the stage of the last drama in all of human history. And he's central to everything that's going to wrap up human history. And listen, folk, when you see Jesus in heaven, he is center stage of everything. Today, we are privileged to know who the star is, the lamb, 29 times in the book of Revelation. Now, there are three acts in in any galactic play like this. I want to point them out to you in this story. Number one, the weakness of human civilization. Second, act two, the worthiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And act three, the worship of all creation. Act one, you see the weakness of human civilization. And John says, a powerful angel with a loud voice cries out in heaven, who is worthy to break this seal and to open the book? And it says he searched through heaven, he searched on earth, he searched under the earth. The tragedy of the human race, he could not find one worthy, not one. Our weakness is so pervasive, we do not measure up to the holiness of God. Therefore, we will never be worthy on our own. Now, I can see this powerful angel, and they are. They are powerful beings. He descends to our planet. He's searching. He didn't ask, is there any willing? He asked, who is worthy? Is any worthy? Worthiness, not willingness. Many people have been willing, have not been worthy. Alexander the Great was willing, not worthy. Napoleon was willing, but he was not worthy. Hitler was willing to take over the world, but far from worthy. Stalin was willing, not worthy. Not with the atrocities some of these have committed. John said, suddenly I saw a lamb step out, and all of heaven shouted, worthy is the lamb. That angel searched earth, and he said, I couldn't find one human. The powerful angel projects himself throughout heaven, and he begins to move through eternity, and he begins to search through all of the characters of history. He pulls Abraham aside. Abraham, surely you can purchase and redeem the world back. You're a friend of God. And Abraham responds, I'm not worthy. I lied on multiple occasions. I claimed my wife as my sister. I had fear, questions. I had doubts in my life. The angel pulls David aside. And David, you're a great worshiper. You wrote most of the worship of all the Old Testament. Perhaps you can help us. I'm not worthy. I committed murder. I committed adultery. Samson, what about you? No, no, I broke my vow to the Lord. I didn't keep my word. I committed sins. Isaiah, what about you? You're the golden-tongued prophet of God. And he responded, no, woe was me. I'm a man of unclean lips. The powerful angel searches throughout heaven. He can't find one who was worthy. He couldn't find one on earth that is worthy. So that powerful angel goes down into Hades 
And he looks at Lucifer and he says, I know you'd be willing and more than ambitious. You want the throne of God, but are you worthy? <laughs> Lucifer had to bow his head in shame and said, no, I'm not worthy. All the fallen angels had to bow their heads in shame, confessing none are worthy. Then the word records just as John is sobbing and weeping over this, my planet is hopeless. The human race has no future. There's no hope for any of us. He said, I heard a shout in heaven as the people cried out, worthy is the lamb. As the lamb steps up and steps forward, a lamb as one who had been slain. In this passage, you witness the weakness of humanity and the worthiness of the lamb. Thank God he is worthy and made us worthy. And then number two, act, act two, in the great unfolding of this story that God has created and painted, the worthiness of the lamb. And watch Jesus as he steps out, steps up. When he steps out, the father said, Weep no more, for the lamb is worthy. He declared the lamb worthy. And the word records that when the lamb stepped out, when the elders saw him, at first he looked like a lion because he is known as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's not only called the Alpha and the Omega, but the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, the lion's called by many the king of the jungle because he's strong and fierce and fears no one, and backs down from no fight. Proverbs says the terror of a king is as a roaring of a lion. The king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion, but his favor as the dew on the grass. At the end of the book of Revelation, Jesus is depicted as the warrior king who rides on a white horse, leading all the armies of heaven to subjugate the nations of the world. He is known as the lion of the tribe of Judah, and we're first presented with him. You see him that way in this story. But he morphs from a lion into a lamb. Isn't that amazing? He morphs from a lion into a lamb in order for the story to unfold. And what's that all about? You see, the Jews were looking for the lion-like leader, but they were premature. They were expecting him to come as he will come back one day. But that wasn't that, that, that time was not the time for him to appear that way. Well, they were looking for one who was going to step up and set them free from Roman oppression and from slavery. They thought when Messiah appeared, he would be a military lion-like personality who would arrive and conquer all their enemies. What messed them up is he kind of looked like a lion at first because of the authority that he wielded. But then he morphed into a lamb. And when you look up the word lamb in Revelation 5 in the Greek, it, describe, it describes the lamb like a pet, a family pet. And there were those who had lambs as family pets back in those days. When Nathan the prophet went to David to describe a story of a man who had one lamb, that was his, that was his family pet that David stole from him and used for slaughter and sacrifice when David had innumerable lambs he could have used. In the Old Testament, when you were offering a lamb at Passover, you had to keep it in your house for at least four or five days. And the children slept with it, and the family slept with it before it was sacrificed. This is a pet lamb. This is one you knew. 
And the word calls Satan the dragon. The word says that the false prophet is the beast. You have a dragon and you have a beast. And the father sends out against the dragon and the beast a lamb. And someone once said that Satan has brain damage. Well, what's wrong with him? Was he kicked in the head by a mule? No, he was stomped on his head by a lamb. He's the dragon and the beast and out steps the family pet, the lamb. And here you, you can see this. This is something I've been made to know, and it blessed my soul. The word says he was standing, a slain, slaughtered lamb. Now, wait a minute. How can a lamb that's been slaughtered be standing? When John, what John saw in that moment was one who went to the cross on Friday one who had been beaten and tortured, and they ripped out his beard, and they stripped him and filleted open his back. They nailed him to a cross, and they slew that lamb like one being taken to slaughter. In his sacrifice of his life, he took our place, the perfect, unblemished lamb, sinless, making him the only one worthy to open the title deed to the entire human race. And then Act 3 the worship of all creation, because the curse gets lifted. Thank God. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. On the third day after his sacrifice, Jesus stood back up and he declared, I am he who was dead and now I am alive standing who was slain and john said he had seven horns and seven eyes and seven spirits well what kind of language is that seven is the number of perfection horns in the word of god represent power he holds perfect power that's why when he stood up on the third morning walking out of that tomb he said all power is given to me in heaven and in earth he had seven eyes and representing all of the wisdom and all of the knowledge of the Godhead. He has perfect wisdom. The seven spirits mean he can be everywhere at once. He is omnipresent. You thought he was here, but he's over there and over there and over there and on the other side of the planet all at one time. He has perfect presence. John was carried away in the spirit and he said, all of a sudden, out of the center of the throne, it's interesting to note what John saw in Revelation and then what he sees in Revelation 5, 4, then what he sees in Revelation 5, because he sees a rainbow around the throne of God, and there are thunderings and lightnings around the throne of God. Many people are curious to know what heaven is like. Well, allow the scripture to describe it. The word says that the throne of God sits on a sea of glass, and the word says there's a rainbow, a sign of God's covenant that surrounds his throne. And the word says that John saw in that setting 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands and thousands of angels. That's 10,000 times 10,000, then 2,000 out of that. Ten t t again, 10 times 10, 2,000 more. Comes out to over 40, four, rather 400 trillion angelic beings when you do the math. Do you grasp how much protection the father places around his own? How, much of, how many warriors he has at his command. 400 trillion angels. And John said, Jesus steps out of the center of this and he walks out on stage. In Revelation 4, John describes the rainbow. He described the 420 elders. 
all these beings with multiple eyes that are worshiping with seraphim and cherubim with multiple sets of wings. Some are in the air and some are on the, on the sea of glass. But he doesn't mention the lamb in Revelation 4. Could it be that John is so distracted by all the sights of heaven, the rainbow around the throne, all of the angelic beings and the elders, that he, he's not seeing the lamb? Is it possible in the culture we're living in today to come to church and miss the lamb? Is it possible to go to an American church and sing worship songs and miss the lamb? Is it possible to show up every Sunday and leave a church and never truly get to the center of what Sunday celebration is all about? Church is not about you and me. I'm not an entertainer. This is not a club where we come and I'm I'm trying to entertain you. We are here to say it's all about the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's always about him. Worthy is the Lamb. Only is he worthy. And John listed three reasons why the lamb is worthy. First, Jesus, the lamb is worthy because he created everything, all things. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. That's the, that's the prerogative of the creator, isn't it? That's why every life is sacred. And that's why we sign up to do walk for life. And that's why we do everything we can to turn the tide against the horrible murder of the innocents that's been allowed to go on in our culture and our country now for decades. Because God, by choice, has created every human being. They, everyone who was born comes out of the heart of God in his thought process, out of eternity into time. And, and God help us. These all belong to him. The answer to everything is Jesus. The why of this intricate universe and all that you are able to behold is Jesus. The why am I here is Jesus. He created all things for his own pleasure. And if you don't give him pleasure, you really don't have a reason to live. Now watch, a great theologian said, I want to quote him, he created all things, yet he never carved his initials in the side of the mountain, but he made them. The, the theologian said he never patented a sunset, but he made every one of them. He never copyrighted the songs the birds sing every morning, but he composed them. He never branded the cattle on a thousand hills with J-E-S-U-S, but he created them and he owns them. He said, the earth is mine and everything on it is mine. Everything created was created by him. That's why Jesus is worthy. Second, Jesus the lamb is worthy because of his right to conquest. Did you hear what was said here in the scripture? But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. The elder is speaking of Jesus' victory at Calvary. That speaks to you and me about the fact Jesus is worthy to be praised because at Calvary, Jesus conquered death. 
At Calvary, Jesus conquered disease. At Calvary, Jesus conquered our past sins. At Calvary, Jesus conquered hell. At Calvary, he conquered substance abuse. At Calvary, he conquered lust and bondages and addictive sexual sins. Jesus the Lamb took it all on his body and hung on that bloody cross and said, I've conquered it all and am worthy of praise. Amen. Conquered it all. And third, Jesus the Lamb is worthy because all creation praises him. That's a beautiful thought in the scripture. And John records what he sees in the spirit prophetically as we come near to the end of the age. It's amazing what he sees. It's mind-boggling to comprehend this. This goes beyond our finite, under-the-curse living that we have had to deal with since the fall of Adam. It says that all of a sudden in heaven comes this cry, blessing and honor and glory and dominion unto the Lamb. And who was this worship and praise coming from? Watch it. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. All creation, all of earth in the sea. And that's why we should be good stewards of what God's allowed us to have here. Yeah, you know, beasts of the fields, sea creatures, all in heaven. They all open, everyone in heaven, and then all the creatures open all their mouths. Now, wait a minute, sea creatures? Yeah. You mean to tell me there's coming a day when sea creatures are going to express to Jesus worship and praise? Imagine this with me. You're looking out over the sea, and all of a sudden, every dolphin, every octopus claps all eight appendages, every whale, every baby shark, every perch in the stream, every bass in the lake, every trout, all of a sudden, rise to the top, sticks its mouth up out of the water, finding their voices once again, Worthy is the, I wonder what kind of sounds are going to come out of them. The curse is lifted. We found our voice again. And not only the sea creatures, but he looks and sees all the beasts of the field, the mammals, horses, and cattle, all lifting their heads and begin to worship the lamb that's worthy. Even the one who bears the emblem of the curse, that old slithering snake, all the serpents come out of the pits that day. They, they get out in the open and they begin to hum and they begin to lift their heads and they give worship to the lamb. And in unison, they open their mouths along with the beasts of the field and the lions and the lambs and along with 400 trillion angels and join their voices. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy. The curse is lifted off the planet. Thank God. Amen. Well, pastor, animals can't talk. They could before the fall of man because the serpent walked into the Garden of Eden, walked in and spoke with Adam and Eve, and they had a conversation with that serpent without even blinking an eye. Remember, Adam named every creature, and he gave them names according to their personalities and their ways. Amazing. And you think about it. 
precurse and what it's going to be like after the curse. Amen? Thank the Lord. I don't know about you. Have you ever looked into the eyes of a creature and that thing you knew was trying to communicate with you and wishes it could? It's amazing. The, the, the personalities that God has built, I wonder what they've been thinking and what they're going to be able to express when the curse is lifted. We sing it. Our God is the lion, the lion of Judah. Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles, and every knee will bow before him. Amen. And God, God is the lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before him. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's a stretch. I know it's a stretch because we've been living with this for so long. That's our norm. But everything is going to change after the return of Jesus. Jesus will redeem the earth, lifting the curse. Then he'll create a new heavens and a new earth. And if he wants them in his creation to speak, they will speak. He made a donkey preach to Balaam the prophet. Amen. A rooster spoke volumes to Peter. If Jesus wants them to speak, just watch the dolphin open its mouth and cry, worthy is the lamb. You'll hear the lion roar, worthy is the lamb. And I'm telling you, who's going to be there leading the chorus? The redeemed. Those who have been washed in the blood will cry, worthy is the lamb. If Jesus was not made flesh, if Jesus was not born in Bethlehem, there was nothing to celebrate every December. There would be no Christmas. If Jesus had not risen from the dead after his passion at Calvary, there would be no Easter. If Jesus did not create all things, why is everything on earth and throughout the universe all going to praise him? In the Old Testament, if the lamb was judged worthy for sacrifice, then the offer was accepted because the lamb was judged worthy after inspection, that it was without blemish, that it was perfect in all of its construction. And if it was judged, right, then it was used for sacrifice. It was used because it was worthy to be accepted by God. That's why we sing. That's why we create these comments to God that you are worthy of our praise. It's, that's why we do more than sit through a service disengaged. That's why we put our whole heart and our mind and our strength into worshiping him here together. That's why we're happy when the Holy Spirit is here moving with us. It's not just some nod to a religious experience on the Lord's day. He is worthy in all creation on that day will will also the redeemed with all of our loved ones gathered before his throne on the sea of glass, looking at that rainbow round the throne, looking into the fire at the foot of the throne, surrounded by 400 trillion angels, but no one will be able to say, Master, you are worthy like those who have been redeemed by his blood. No one will say it better than the redeemed of the Lord. From every tribe and every kindred and every tongue, God will have people from every tribal and language group on the planet 
who will have been redeemed, assembled before him in his eternal family, worshiping his son. Together, we will lift our voices and with tears streaming down our faces, cry, worthy is the lamb. When Wall Street's bells have forever been silenced, when Madison Avenue is nothing but an empty crater, when the monetary systems of this planet have been smashed and collapsed, and every one of them will, when every king and kingdom will be done with, when Satan and his followers have been cast forever into the lake of fire, when the last song has been sung from our church auditorium, when the last message has been preached from this pulpit, when the rule of the Antichrist comes crashing down, when the last enemy has been defeated, we, his bride, will be standing in the city built four square on the streets of gold. We'll be looking at him face to face and we shall cry, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Come on, give him some thanks in this place. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. My only chance and only hope of having made it in to that great reunion will be because my sins were washed away through the sacrifice of his blood. Where would we be without Jesus? What kind of fear and dread would be in our heart to know that one day we will stand before the eternal, eternal throne of our creator without any hope whatsoever had it not been the worthiness of his son that now transfers to us. I can't comprehend it, that how he's made us worthy to enter in. So where's the lamb in your life? Who is he to you? He better be in the center of your heart. He better be in the center of your family. You for sure better have his blood covering your past. Where's the lamb? Is he just some kind of a sidekick you kind of rub elbows with once in a while? Or is he the center of your being? The lamb ought to be bigger in your life than making a dollar. The lamb ought to be bigger in your life than any dream you've ever chased. Pleasing and honoring and blessing the lamb ought to be the center of how you live your life. And everything else rotates around him and his will. Where is the lamb? By his spirit, he's here. The spirit of God has brought the reality of the lamb into this room. In his holy presence is present. So let's stand to our feet for a moment. Lift our voices and say thanks.